something magic happens every time you go. You make the magic happen. The magic of Orioles baseball. What is happening, good people of South Baltimore? Welcome back to South Baltimore now. I'm with Kevin Lynch, Nate Corper here. Oh my God, Kev, last night was freaking awesome, dude. Orioles finally win a division championship. That's amazing. It's been a while. So exciting. I, I took the whole family out to Camden Yards last night. I'm a lifelong Orioles fan, so that was just so exciting, so great for the city, so great for the area, so great for the young fans who get to see what winning looks like, and so great for all the uh, long-struggling Orioles fans. We are back on top, and let's not let go of that. All the way through November, we got to keep this going. So yeah, I'm excited to hopefully get to a playoff game if we're lucky, but uh, just awesome for the neighborhood. There's going to be a lot of buzz around town, especially this weekend with the uh, last couple of games playing. We got some great festivals happen out there in Pigtown and Cross Street and so forth. And I also want to give a shout out, if I can, to our own South Beemore directory, which you can find at directory.southbemore.com. I want to make sure you check out that for all the latest events, coupons, and deals that we got going on, and great restaurants and, and specials that we have happening there. So make sure you check that out. But today, very excited to welcome an awesome South Baltimore resident and someone who has written a really cool book about the memoir. It's a memoir of South Baltimore. It's called Wire to Wire, written by Patrick McArdle. And thankfully, we have Patrick McArdle on today. Yes, I'm very excited to have Patrick McArdle on. I love his book. It's about South Baltimore and the Orioles. Two great passions of mine, two great passions of a lot of people listening right now. I think you'll really enjoy our conversation with Patrick. He's got a great perspective of one of those people that's not from South Baltimore, but moved here, fell deeper in love with the Orioles. So really great guests. Just one of those podcasts that are really fun where we can just kind of, it's almost like a conversation at a bar. We're just talking South Baltimore with some friends. Patrick, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. So, Patrick, before we get started, the Orioles got 100 wins last night for the first time since 1980. Is a sequel to your book going to be coming out soon? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> maybe sneak in a couple other years before that. But yeah, definitely. Mind your P's and Q's. So you might be in it. Yeah, really cool. You think about it. I guess you have the I guess the Orioles were kind of great before all of us were relevant in our lives back in the 60s and 70s. And obviously you have the good era of the early 80s. Then you have that nice era of the mid to late 90s, which Patrick is uh, very versed in. And then you had that nice bump in the uh, 2012 to 2016 era, which is fun. And hopefully we're entering another fun era. Like this is the first year my kids really started paying attention to the Orioles and they're having their best season in like 40 years. So like somehow I'll have to teach them this isn't what life is always like, but everyone in our family is enjoying it. But it's great. You know, it's great when you have like those kids at elementary school and so many of their classmates have the City Connect jerseys and they have the Orioles. It's just like makes such an impression at you at an early age. I grew up in the Cal Ripken era and I have basically a room in my house dedicated to Cal Ripken. So it's so cool to create these memories. And obviously the 97 season had a Huge memory for Patrick and obviously some seasons before that. So, uh, yeah, this very exciting times. Yeah, it was funny you mentioned that. My daughter actually watched a little bit of the game with me last night and had her floppy hat on, and it was just a great time. Awesome. Patrick's book's awesome. I definitely recommend everybody read it. If you love South Baltimore and you love the Orioles, which I think everybody in this neighborhood loves South Baltimore, and most of your Orioles fans, you got to check it out. So it's, it really gets into uh, so many cool aspects of him ending up down here, that great Orioles 1997 season. Just getting started here, Patrick, where are you from and how'd you end up in South Baltimore? So I went to high school in Fairfax, Virginia, and moved around a little bit after college and was in California and knew I wanted to move back east just came up to Baltimore. I had a friend who went to Hopkins and we went out to lunch one day and I was kind of aimless. She recommended a couple neighborhoods and one of which was Federal Hill. I described this 
day in the book where I came up here, went to Cross Street Market for the first time, and then met my landlord who signed the lease at the bar at Mums, basically 45 minutes into walking into the neighborhood. And it's been here ever since. Gosh, love that. I know a similar story myself. I grew up in Annapolis in a suburban setting and was always always loved coming into the city growing up. Just feel like there was so much tradition, so much character, so much grit, so much cool architecture and stuff. And I got to South Baltimore at a young age and haven't left either. So you know, obviously, if you live around South Baltimore, there's a lot of people that grew up around Maryland, but there's a lot of people from all kinds of random places where this area just grabbed them. And I love hearing those stories. And obviously, Patrick, this area grabbed you so much that you wrote a book about it. And sounds like you had a heck of a year in 1997. What was South Baltimore like? I guess, in, in your view back then? Oh, man. So, you know, I was 25 at the time. So I was enjoying every bit of what South Baltimore had to offer. I was living on Hanover Street, right across 1100 block of Hanover. I eventually moved to Churchill Street, which is more Federal Hill proper. But at that time on Hanover Street, it was kind of like a dividing line between Federal Hill and Sharp Hall. But it was all just small little family run bars. And I mean, I could walk down the streets now and there's so many bars that have now row homes and residential houses and things, but it was just great. The market was definitely the central hub of activity for the neighborhood and uh, so much fun every Friday, Saturday night and Saturday afternoons was a blast there with all the neighbors and people coming in from out of town. Um, it was just a really special time and a really special place. Yeah, for sure. And I kind of live in the moment and don't tend to dwell on the past too much, but I'm reading your book and forgetting how much I miss getting the big beers and the steamed shrimp and all the good stuff that came with uh, the Nick section across Street Market. Back in the day, there was configured a little bit different than uh, a few years ago. And they had like two bars that you can kind of sit all the way around. One was had a steam bar and one was a raw bar. And it kind of was right, like right in the middle of the space, which just made everything even more crowded and tight packed. And you were just jammed in there with everybody. And it was great. And I love how you talk in the book about all the different walks of life that are in Cross Street Market when you would go there from people of every race, people of every socioeconomic situation. So just talk about the vibe that was at Cross Street Market back in the late 90s. Oh, it was special. It was special. I remember we were, me and my brother were in there one day eating some steamed shrimp. And there was an older African-American woman sitting next to us. She was probably in her maybe late 60s, early 70s or something. And after we were done eating, the shrimp comes in those little paper bowls. She said, are you guys done with that? And we said, yeah. And she just crumpled up her napkin and threw it in our bowl. <laughs> I was like, thanks. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> we'll take care of that for you. Just so many people meeting so many people there. It was just a great time. And of course, I just happened. I mean, as luck had it, I lived two doors down from Marianne, who's the longtime oyster shucker and bartender there at the market. And she was just, she was great. She was super nice to me from the first day I moved into the neighborhood. So it was always great to kind of feel like I had a little inside connection there too. Whenever I walked in, it was packed. She would recognize me and maybe give me a little preferred service or whatever. And it was really, really great. I always talk with my neighbors and friends where it's kind of like in Baltimore, you take off your work clothes and literally nobody cares what you do for a living, where there are some cities where you know, what you do for a living is really your identity and what people want to talk about at the the barbecues and, and at the bars. But certainly we always joke, there's some of our neighbors we've known for 20 years, we have no idea what they do for a living and nobody really cares. And of course, the one question people might ask you is, where did you go to school? Which is obviously a question about high school in yeah. Baltimore. But I love that Baltimore, it's just, I don't care who you are. You don't care who I am. Like, here, can I put my trash in your bowl? Like, it's just such a no-nonsense, simple town that if you're looking for something like that, it certainly just grabs a hold of you. Definitely. Absolutely. Uh, I guess talk about becoming an Orioles fan. I know from reading the book that uh, your dad's a Mets fan and yeah. uh, you came to Baltimore and you were looking for something to make yours. So talk about the process of being a Orioles fan and kind of talk about those special early years of Oriole Park at Camden Yards. Yeah. So I grew up in Fairfax, Virginia. So at the time, the Nationals didn't exist. So I guess Baltimore was like the closest team. 
So I was a fan. And then Cal came around. So I was definitely a fan of the Orioles and Cal Ripken and things like that. But the mid to late 90s, I mean, Camden Yards was packed every single night. They had that scalp-free zone that was just a great little microeconomics lab of fun. So I used to go to games all the time. When I lived on Hanover Street, I would just walk over, go to the game. It wasn't even a question. If they were home, I was going to the game. And uh, that team was just something special. I mean, Cal Ripken and Rafael Palmero and Eric Davis, Brady Anderson, Mike Messina. I mean, the team was loaded. And, and of course, a bunch of them lived in the neighborhood. Harborview Tower was new at that time. So I remember running to Scott Erickson and Robbie Alomar over there. And it was just amazing for a kid from the suburbs to be able that close to a, a stadium first. I, I didn't have to drive my car to a park or anything. And then to feel like you're part of the community and you're actually running into these guys at Hilltop Pizza and whatever. Uh, it was just a special time. Yeah, that's so cool. I know when I moved to the neighborhood, the first thing I would tell people was like, so I can walk to Orioles games and Ravens games. How cool is that? And now, 20 years later, when people ask you why I like the neighborhood, the first thing I say is, hey, you can walk to Orioles and Ravens games. I'll get into the other hundred reasons I like the neighborhood. I'm sure there's other great neighborhoods, but you know I can walk to Orioles and Ravens games. I mean, like that is just so cool because like times like last night where I went, it's like game starts in a half an hour. All right, let's get in the car and get there. And you'll basically be there for first pitch, whether you want to drive or walk, depending how close you live. But yeah, it's very cool. And on Wednesday, we it was three o'clock in the afternoon. I had a friend text me. He said, hey, you doing anything tonight? I was like, no, I was just going to watch the game. He said, how about we go? So we just grabbed some tickets. Two hours later, we're at the ballpark. It was It's just great. So I was in high school during that 1996 season. There's obviously the catch by Jeffrey Mayer that really just kind of really deflated the Orioles' hopes. I think they would have been up a, a couple games. Yep. Going back to Yankee Stadium after that. I remember that day in school, I grew up in Annapolis, which was all Orioles fans back then, probably still is. And nobody taught that day. It was almost like a day of mourning of like, can you believe that call? Can you believe what happened there with, with Jeffrey Mayer catching that ball? And it was just like the Orioles, there was no Ravens back then. The Orioles had such an impact on the area. And it was, it was just like almost like a day of mourning. And obviously that series wasn't over, but I guess people can tell you why if that catch wasn't made, maybe that whole season goes a little bit different. So uh, talk about watching that 1996 season and that moment against the Yankees and how maybe that shaped you becoming an Orioles fan and, and really wanting to be really in and really dedicated to that 1997 season. Yeah. So 96, I was living in California and I drove cross country and back home. And I remember watching that game with my dad in the basement. He's a big baseball fan as well. And just... I don't even know what the words to describe it is. I mean, he probably uh, hates the Yankees just as much as I like the Orioles. When he reached over and they didn't, they made the bad call and obviously they didn't have replay then or whatever. It was just deflating. I mean, it was just like, what else could go wrong type of attitude. And once I moved to Baltimore, I kind of realized like, that. yeah, no, that's a thing here. Like there's a little bit of imposter syndrome with our city being so close to DC and playing against New York. And we're just like this little hamlet. But it, it really, I think it it sparked the whole 97 season, which turned out to be great. We went wire to wire, first place every day of this summer. And it was just so much fun that summer going to the ballpark and all the guys. And it was a, definitely a veteran team that you could tell was on, had its like last shot. And then uh, what happened after that was like, whatever it was, 20 years of losing seasons or something that we kind of try to forget about. Yeah. And Baltimore certainly has that chip on its shoulder and kind of thought whatever can go wrong will go wrong and I think a lot of people need to read your book because so many people I've talked to over the years said oh, we got screwed against the Yankees and we didn't have another winning season for like 14 15 years I'm like well actually we had kind of one of our best seasons ever the next year so it's almost like that's the memory people have from that from that 
that era, kind of forgetting this great season they had the next year, which unfortunately, I guess the Cleveland Indians broke our heart yeah. that season. But you could still, I'm, to this day, I am convinced that if we had played the Yankees in the championship series, that we would have won it. There was no yeah. doubt. Like if the Yankees could have beaten the Indians. Yeah, that was certainly a frustrating series for sure. What were some of your favorite memories from going to the games that season? Yeah, certainly Mike Mussina almost pitching a perfect game into the ninth inning. That game was amazing. There was that one game, I, there was a fan who climbed up to the very top of the foul pole and was just sat on top of the foul pole <laughs> until they stopped play. I remember that distinctly because we were kind of underneath them, like we were back in the outfield. And that, that was amazing. It was funny because I started, when I was writing the book, I was just kind of jotting down memories on index cards of kind of things, just really for the purpose of passing along some of these stories to my daughter. And it, so many of them revolved around that one year in Baltimore. I decided that the memoir should just be that one year. And a lot of them were around going to the game and going to the scalp free zone and the Eric Davis cancer diagnosis. I remember that. Now we're a, a couple decades plus later. South Baltimore has obviously gone through a lot of changes. So in, in your opinion, how is South Baltimore the same? How is it different since the 1990s? I think the people are pretty much the same. Um, so things have certainly changed. What happened was I think it got stalled for a few years. It, it just didn't change. And then all of a sudden, big changes came in a big wave rather than just incrementally changing, continually changing. I'm not one of those people who think that things are, should or necessarily can just be frozen in time. Mm -hmm. But the people are still the same. And that's what's the core of it. The three of us all live in a neighborhood and we could, I'm sure if we started talking, there would be multiple connections between all of us in terms of people and friends and places we go. And oh yeah, no, I was at that party too. And that type of thing. Yeah. And uh, that's what really makes a neighborhood special. I love it. Every time me and Nate are like, oh, do you know this person, that person? Nine times out of 10, the answer is yes. It's like through some, through school or through our kids' activities or through going to the bar or through our different jobs. It's like you, you're around South Baltimore long enough and you're going to know most of the other people that are pretty involved in South Baltimore. So yeah, it's certainly, yeah. I love how it's like a small neighborhood within a big city. Yeah, definitely. Like one of the, a perfect example is this past week, I know our mutual friend, Jim Gonzarowski was getting he all just texted me. He literally just texted me while this podcast is oh, really? this recording. Yeah. He's giving away light bulbs that are orange. Exactly. That's what I was saying. Yeah, was, right. yeah. yeah. So like my neighborhood's just like littered with orange light bulbs. And I mean, how yeah. cool is that? Just uh, just some guy decides to paint the town orange and giving away orange light bulbs. Shout out Jim Gunsarowski, great supporter of SouthBeaver.com over the years. And that's got some cool light bulbs. Your professional background is not a, a book writer. And one of the things I've loved about being a business writer is I love covering businesses and small business. I think every story is so interesting. But really, the the pandemic, I feel like that entrepreneurial spirit, the creativity reached an all-time high because people are at home. They're thinking of what they'd rather be doing, all these cool ideas. Everyone's like baking banana bread nonstop. And <laughs> I think we've got some bakeries out of that. So I think while the pandemic was tough, I think a lot of good ideas and a lot of good businesses were born out of that. And we're still writing about those nearly every week. So how did you come up with the decision to write this book and uh, tell us a little bit as I said, it was it started by just wanting to pass some stories down to my daughter. I moved around a little bit when I was young and had a few different jobs and careers and things like that. And so I just started jotting down memories on index cards and started organizing them and kind of came up with this idea like, hey, you know, it'd be cool to parallel the stories of my moving to Baltimore with the Orioles season that year. And the writing, it just flew. I mean, I, I wrote it in probably two months two and a half months, got it edited and published it. I wrote it in January and it was published by April. And how's the book been received so far? It's been, I mean, it's blown me away. 
I mean, it's the reception has been unbelievable. Some people read it as like a love letter to the old neighborhood, which it is. Some people read it for the Orioles stuff. Some people read it for just like a coming of age story. But the feedback has been unbelievable. So many people, even like longtime residents of the neighborhood, will stop me and just reminisce about the old market and in the old neighborhood. And Orioles fans will stop me and talk about Cal and all those guys. And it's just been, I've been blown away. I love it. I have a text chain with my friends. We're all Orioles fans. And I was jokingly showing him like the roster of the Little League guys I'm coaching this fall. Literally four straight names. It was Brooks, Calvin, Camden, and Camden. And I was like, this is what happens when you coach Little League in South Baltimore. And then after I texted them, I'm walking my dog home from dropping the kids off. And my dog runs into another dog named Ripkin. So it's just like... <laughs> Not only is this area great, but the Orioles just have like so much love by the community here. So it's awesome to kind of wrap those cool things together as you've done in your book. Obviously, you put a lot of your personal story out there in the book. Does anybody come up to you and be like, where's your life now? What happened next? So what yeah, is Patrick McCardle up to now? Yeah, there's a few uh, requests for sequels. A couple of people are now minding what they uh, say around me, that type of thing. <laughs> Welcome to my world. Yeah, no, I kind of put an epilogue in there that kind of wraps up my life post 1997 or something. But uh, yeah, there, there might be another book in me somewhere. Awesome. Hopefully the Orioles are now division champions. They will start their playoff journey a week from tomorrow in the ALDS. So hopefully, gosh, a World Series would be incredible. But I think this team is built to be good for a while. So hopefully, if not Patrick, hopefully the next listener out there might write another great book about the Orioles and hopefully throw in uh, as many South Baltimore anecdotes as possible. I can't recommend this book enough. It's really good. It's so much good stuff about South Baltimore, though it's really cool to, to go back down memory lane with this book. And obviously that was such a great Orioles season. Thank you for writing this book, Patrick. It's really good. And I hope so many people in South Baltimore are enjoying it as much as I am. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you so much, Patrick. And before we jump off here, do you want to tell people where they can pick up the book if they're interested? Sure. Obviously Amazon. You can get a copy there. Also, Sharon at cheese galore might still have a few copies available for purchase or if you run into me on the street looking for a cold beer at a reasonable price i could probably hunt <laughs> down a, a copy for you you just keep a backpack full of them just in case <laughs> not really it's been great it's i haven't had to stock up much inventory sharon's been great at cheese galore her customer base and she's been uh, a big supporter i do see you walking around all the time so i guess you're just doing a door-to-door -door book sales <laughs> no i haven't <laughs> done that yet this is a great book it's fantastic i think you're gonna love it it's called wire to wire again you can pick it up online there's some copies of cheese galore and more definitely want to check them out we're all about shopping local Patrick, again, thank you so much for jumping on the podcast today. Thank you guys for having me. May I all run into you at the stadium during the playoffs. Oh, let's hope. Oh, let's hope. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Let's go O's. Magic, 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 magic. Something magic happened.